imaginary. This is Ross Sutherland, host of Imaginary Advice. That sounded about as awkward as any introduction could possibly sound. Anyway, this is the second of two bonus episodes uh, that I'm dropping onto the Imaginary Advice feed this October. Two bits of unlocked Patreon content. Uh, in which I loop back around to talk about an old episode, specifically the episode Exorcist Dave Stewart that was uh, first released six whole years ago. Um, If you haven't listened to uh, part one in this discussion, then uh, why not go back and listen to that first? Then, when you're ready, you can come back here, listen to part two. Or don't. I mean, what what am I? You bloody mum. Do what you want. Live your life, listener. Um, I won't judge you for it. But anyway, same as the first part, I'm joined for this discussion by comic writer and actor Angus Dunnican. You can find out more about Angus at angusdunnican.com. Okay, um, let's get into it. Thanks for listening. How, how, how are you feeling today? Today, it's, oh, I say I'm no longer ill, which is, which is you know, good, isn't it? That's okay. nice. That's no, it's, nice not to, it's nice not to be ill, isn't it? It's just okay. Yeah, I'm not ill, which is, uh, which is, which is a godsend. Um, yeah, because I just, oh, God, because I haven't been ill. I haven't been ill for ages, have I? Because I haven't sort of seen anyone. Or yeah, no, that leaving the house. I mean, same, everyone else is talking about really struggling with, uh, um, like, hay fever. And I'm just like, oh, I yeah. guess like just I haven't really been out of the house enough to like to, for it to get a hit for the pollen storm to hit me. Because uh, yeah, I always get hay fever. People don't talk about the plus side of turning into Howard Hughes. And uh, no, yeah. this is the thing. I mean, it's it's all bottles of piss and long fingernails and delusions of grandeur, but <laughs> none of it's just none of it's just the solid fucking you time, you know, and just the. And... <laughs> The thing about Howard Hughes, mate, is that he was very into self-care. This is what people don't tell you about Howard Hughes. Is that, is that, that was a man who had exquisite boundaries. <laughs> so, right, just, just, just to very, very briefly recap uh, Angus News. An exorcist comes to exorcise a demon and he uh, begins the exorcism ritual. And that's pretty much all that all, all that happens uh in, in that first part. And uh as the moment that the demon is being summoned, we ended the first episode, we're picking it up here, and now the second part starts off essentially pulling the rug out underneath uh the entire first part, and now we're essentially like returning to uh an audition uh for a play version of the story which was the first half uh with uh the main character now renamed uh sebastian uh and this is all taking place in canada uh (laughs) and we're basically having we're basically discovering that like yeah he's a he's a he's a a working actor uh trying to get the part of exorcist dave stewart uh and at the end of this little test scene he's kind of escorted uh out of the uh out of the theater uh in what feels like like quite a, like an like an unsuccessful audition 
yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, obviously, yeah, the 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 uh, the the palpable shivers I experience from the from from the well-meaning casting director handshake nurse that you do at the beginning of this is. <laughs> But thanks, just thanks for coming in, man. It's, so, oh, it's great. In. Cheers, thank you, thank you. Just, uh, just. Have you got a bottle of water? Did you take a bottle of water? Did you? Good, thank you. Great. Do you want any of these? Because we're not going to eat them. Do you want to just like you know just try to help you out? You, a, just, you should leave with something. I really feel you should leave with something. Please, here's take. Please take something. How like honestly, we're not going to eat all these pastries. Please just. Because <laughs> we'll have jobs. You can have the crumbs. I, <laughs> One of the things that's quite nice about having these chats, Angus, and revisiting some of these episodes is that I sort of finally get to sort of put my finger on uh, like stories that I I don't think I realised influenced me, but like in in retrospect, they're actually have like massively like imprinted on on me. Uh, and I and like a part of this I now realised in retrospect is really heavily lifted from. Uh, the episode of Red Dwarf called Back, Back to, to Reality. Reality. Yeah. Well, it's fu- it's funny you say that because I was I was going to say that what's yeah what's what's what you're doing in this in this episode is not just a Red Dwarf move, although Red Dwarf does this particular move very well with Back to Reality. But then, having said that, it was very on vogue for '90s science fiction to do this anyway, because like '90s Star Trek did this a bunch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like like it did it did it did the one where like Riker Riker is uh, yes. Riker is is is, is um, well it, the play that he's in turns where he's a, where he's a where he's a an inmate of a psychiatric hospital turns out to actually be real, or, or, but it's not. That's a simulation there's uh yeah. there's it also feels a bit like uh somewhere beyond the stars where ben cisco thinks he's 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 the author of uh he's actually the author of deep space nine and he's working with all the other science fiction writers in the 50s mm, right uh that like it's it's like i love this move and like and, it, and it's and i think and i think 90s 90s science fiction did this a fair bit um Sort of standing on the shoulders of, of a lot of sort of countercultures, kind of late '60s science fiction, because it's a very, it's a very K. Dick thing. It's a very, like, very PKD thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, which is yeah, constantly shattering realities. That that paranoia. Yeah. There's a lovely bit in I can't remember which uh, Philip K. Dick <laughs> novel where like a guy lives in a lovely like suburban small town, and just like one day he goes to turn his bathroom light off, and he goes to <laughs> pull a cord. And the core doesn't exist, and he, and it's actually a switch on the wall, and it's what from that? that little. It could be like Martian time slip. It could be like, uh, um, maybe it's Martian time slip. It's long time since I read uh, that. Yeah, and 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 it's just from that. He's just like, why did I? I instinctively went to pull a cord that didn't exist, like, and it was such like a muscle memory. And I think that's what's weird is because that's something that like I think a lot of people will have done. You're kind of mistaking one bathroom mm. for another bathroom, but like from that um well thread uh he literally like unravels <laughs> that th- th- his entire reality is c- completely constructed around him and that the yeah. thing that he's really doing in that house is something completely different he's the work he works for the military uh but they've created this whole other world this shell a fictive <laughs> shell around him in order to keep him docile uh, the, yeah the other story i was going to say that it really reminds me of is 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 uh, because because in this you have this thing of like the broccoli being a signifier that the re- that, that, that this reality is false um and you get that in uh, you get that in the three stigmata of palmer eldridge where we we keep shifting through different realities but the thing that 
tips him off that this isn't real is that he keeps meeting someone with like with one robotic hand with robotic eyes and and metal teeth and that's and that's the thing that he, keep, he keeps which is just which is the, the avatar for the god the god creator of these phony universes yeah they're, they're all they're all watermarked <laughs> yeah they're with, all watermarked uh, with palmer yeah. eldridge yeah um yeah and, and and so yeah that's so that's kind of what you've got going on here with the broccoli yeah man and my, my dad was like huge Philip K. Dick fan, like we've got like an attic full of like pulp sixties sci-fi, which like I I I I barely made a dent in, but yeah, man, I love those stories. I mean, I bring it up, I bring it up once per chat, to be honest, when I'm talking to you. So I always, so I mean, it's <laughs> so regular, regular. Anybody who knows my my, you know, it's 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 a it's a bit of a go-to for me. So I apologize for the stuck record on that. No, man, not at all. And and I, and I guess like a lot of those uh uh kind of like moves, that metatextual move the the person that sebastian is so the 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 version the new version of the hero Hmm. is also like a lot closer to me as well i mean one of the first things he does when he goes home is make a waffle sandwich that's a that's a a potato (laughs) waffle between two slices of bread and ketchup which is a which is a ross sutherland 17 year old special right there you know oh mate no that's uh i but the thing is yeah i had i had a very visceral beautiful response to hearing that ross i was like i could really fuck i could fuck one of those up quite easily i I could really hurt hurt them do some damage and then what he goes on to then do like after his kind of like failed audition that he goes um speed dating uh is also based loosely on a true story of, of of mine i went speed dating once right with my friend uh dave bamford uh when i yeah when i lived in liverpool and ended up doing something quite similar to sebastian which was becoming much more interested in the guy th- that was before me like because because we were all going around in order which is a delightful conceit yeah 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 which is i i really en- I, I really enjoyed that i really enjoyed this sort of this this, this series of like you having to follow the elephant act with a shovel with regards to like with regards to like with regards to uh, with regards to like his his speed dating which is really fun because <laughs> i remember our speed dating night it was split into like like essentially into three acts and we were allowed to drink like a cocktail between each of the uh in each of the intermissions <laughs> and i remember like for the first group i was just like i, I either like consciously or unconsciously i just felt like i was like perfecting my pitch Mm. you know like i was just like how do i describe what i do for a living and you know like in less than you know like you know like a couple of minutes and with each time i got to reset i was just like okay just fucking don't mention that again no one needs to know about that (laughs) and then you know and, and that felt weird in many ways like it was just, i was doing this kind of groundhog yeah. day uh like like andy mcdowell thing <laughs> where i was just kind of becoming less and less human and more and more kind of like scripted <laughs> with each new person that i spoke to hmm. and then after like the break and drinking like my first cocktail i could have came back to do like the second act and then at that point i was like oh, i'm gonna get through this each round without revealing a single piece of information like about myself uh because like who fucking cares about that kind of stuff anyway and i just want to try and talk about what's happening in the room and yeah and then that's when i became like completely obsessed with like the the guy that i was i I was following (laughs) and just me asking her questions about him (laughs) 
So effectively going on a date on a date with him, like by, by proxy. Uh, and then I drank another cocktail, and then by that point I was just like far too drunk to fucking do anything, and I just started lying. But it's a really good tactic, I, th- I feel like, because the thing, because I mean, the, to be honest, like you know, talking about mutual friends is like the only thing you've got half the time with people you go on dates with a lot of the time. So, so you, at least at least you've got him in common. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's nice. Anyway, that was very much uh based on that that like yeah me essentially on a date with this guy chris through like a, a membrane of baffled women which is a, yeah that's i wrote that down it's fantastic to, to <laughs> and uh yeah and then he kind of meets this sebastian meets uh siobhan mm. during this chat and then we kind of like very very quickly like accelerate through their entire romance uh because I guess he 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 shows a moment of vulnerability to her, and she kind of like comforts him with it, and we basically just t- take that kernel and like run with it, uh, and you know like right up to the moment where he's now taking her on this this uh, on this 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 special date uh, in order to to propose to her. Uh yeah, man. I and mean, then as you say, but th- then you've got the, the 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 broccoli reveal. Yeah, uh, I always yeah I do like this though. You get you get and again like in these types of stories, like like what the the, the trappings of life are. Well, there's a clue in the name. Is that is that the 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 sort of the beats of life, like sort of meeting someone, falling in love, they are they are they are presented as as honey as sort of honey traps to the to the to to the paranoid, <laughs> like you know, like conventional life is a trap to the paranoid, <laughs> and, yeah. and you get and you and, and that's something that sort of that you get in this type of fiction quite a lot, uh, right? I, I, absolutely, I, yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it's a conventional life and a romance, and as this story yeah. like progresses, that is going to be reframed more and more mm. as some kind of like like demonic influence, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, like and uh, and yeah, by the end, that gets like I think like gets particularly uh, frosty in a way that doesn't paint me as the author in a particularly good light at all. But we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like so essentially he's twigged. You know, like he goes to this occult bookshop. Well, you see, I uh, wrote this down. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a throwaway line you have here where you go to the, the, the occult book district, which I was very, which I was very excited about, because <laughs> no, because because the thing is, is that like my my singular disappointment with most cities is that they are not library like sort of demarked into like every conceivable niche interest as a as a as a city block. You know, like take me to the take me to the fishing district. Take me to the take take me to the the loft insulation district. Take me to the take me to the French literature district. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, like, like the, that's 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 yeah, that, that's the world I want to live in. That's, yeah, is the that is the world I want to live in. Yeah. That's exactly the world I want to live in. And like, and I, and again, it's like you know, it's I think it's it's part of it's part of the. Uh, the great postmodern New York, isn't it? Because we have these phrases like the meatpacking district, the this district, the that district, sort of built into our into our vernacular, and and so the the, ver- the very idea that there is a sort of yeah this, this, yeah the, the the city is just this giant brain that contains like the, and it's all compartmentalized, and yeah, and also what's enjoyable about this is this is this very Ghostbusters two sort of conceit of the occult bookshop and your sort of personal friendship with the guy who works there and yeah man, <laughs> there's know. of course that's like that's what that's what um Dan Aykroyd does in Ghostbusters too right he runs like an yeah. occult bookshop right a cult right a cult yeah, yeah so yeah so he 
he he he pulls out a book uh on uh demons that can conjure plot twists uh and then there's a callback he look he opens it and there's a callback to the drawing of the mm-hmm. demon that the that the the daughter, daughter did. Yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I'll hear a twig, so it's all been an illusion. The demon has mm-hmm. effectively like hijacked the narrative and essentially like directed the, the, the exorcist into this kind of Canadian side universe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and then of course we're, we're essentially like he he starts to recite Mambo number five. And I kind of like how Mambo number five now gets to sort of solidify itself as this uh this kind of supercharged uh magical incantation yeah within well within within the text of, of the piece it's the holy water isn't it it's the yeah it's, it's the thing that is the thing that we use to break the spell and and yeah, yeah. And, and and we repeat that enough times we get it yeah i yeah i i i, I mean I, it's it's it, it, i think what's nice about it is that yeah things 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 fall apart at just the right moment because if you've held if you'd held it any longer it wouldn't i don't think it would have worked and then what's really lovely is is how from here we don't because often what you get in an in a, in a if this was a tv script is that you get you you there would be a middle act of mounting suspicion where he kind of goes and talks to siobhan for a bit and and, and then and she and she's and she's she's fuzzy on the various salient details and things like that and gradually 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 the fact that it's not a real world would become revealed but instead you you skip the you skip the you know the the um the the data using contractions shall we say moment of the, of, the, of the story and and getting caught out and instead we skip straight to we skip straight to fun and games which is which is which is uh, which is other attempts to sort of to 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 fractally to recursively go through to do it to, you go through the different rug pulls and things like that right which, yeah because it's like. just like okay now that you you like now that the the the, the audience has caught up we just we just have to double down as fast yeah. as possible and try and, and try to get ahead of them again yeah exactly yeah and you do and you and i'm just actually before you do that before you do that is i always like to point out when you play a good list game and there's a very nice list game of the stuff that's disappearing from his life including all the dogs that he looks after which is <laughs> just really which is fucking great uh, <laughs> just their names waffles <laughs> which i really really like um, um but yeah to- so as we come back, he, he then essentially after this weird 15 minute uh, sidebar, um, he now returns to essentially where we left Father David uh, at the end of the first episode. So he's coming back into the Neil's family living room uh, mid exorcism. And I think what's unclear, it's unclear whether like the experience for Father David has been, another Star Trek reference, uh, whether it's been like, Picard's yeah. experience in the inner light, and whether like light. he's literally yeah, yeah. had like, like, like you know, fifteen years, you know, like has passed for Father David in the space of like a second on this world, or whether it's much more like fifteen minutes, you know, and he's experienced the story at the accelerated pace that that we have, just in the time it's taken to tell the story. Yeah. I kind of think it's maybe more of the latter, uh, but I don't know. Like, anyway, the as the exorcism continues like essentially i mean this would be the point i think in a conventional story where we've given the protagonist a life-changing experience for which he should learn from and i think in in a conventional drama and i I think i was still tempted there's sort of two sides i think i was kind of battling with in writing this in that i still wanted to plan out a character arc for father david where he would begin as a sort of cantankerous character who only cared about 
his job and didn't care about the people around it. Someone who was like monomaniacally focused on doing the thing that he was set to do and was intellectually superior to anybody who wasn't already like participating in that world on his level, who then had an experience where he was forced to see his life from the outside by briefly experiencing it as a play and being you know like happens quite often in these 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 sci-fi stories by seeing yourself from the outside and having your life taken away from you when you know you then like return to it you gain a a, a more like like humanistic perspective on uh your past yeah which but but which but which is but i mean which is you know it it, it, what's fun is that yes that's that's a big science fictional thing but it's also it's also Dickens. It's a Christmas Carol, man. It's you know it, it, yeah, right. It's, like, it's a hero's it's, it's, journey. It's a hero's journey. It's a hero's journey. Man mutated by experience. Yeah, yeah. Like you yeah, return yeah. home, but you return home from the other side, and uh, and you see it anew. But yet, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, like now that the 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 demon is essentially like infesting the authorial voice of the story, Father David knows that like he can't allow himself to experience the hero's journey. He has to resist it, and so you get like this, 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 the 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 metafictional current of the story, which basically is that like no, he has to just like plant his feet and go. Well, if you think I'm going to learn anything from what's just happened to me for the last 15 years in yeah. Canada, yeah. fucking yeah. forget it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm not changing anything. And what's funny is that at this stage, it's at this stage the the the, the story becomes basically a kind of prose version of the episode of. Looney Tunes, where Daffy is rebelling against the paintbrush of the artist, and 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 it's and it's basically Dave Stewart <laughs> shouting at you at this point, <laughs> so, yeah, sarcastically calling me Jonathan Nolan. Uh, and, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you're just there with the paint. Yeah, like, yeah, and and, and yeah, yeah, and you're just having to like cross. Yeah, this one big canvas, and you're like crossing things like no, no, stupid, stupid. <laughs> you know. So yeah, so so the exorcist he wants to keep it clean cut and brutal he wants to keep it chuck norris we're here to dispatch off a demon and we're not going to get tied up in any character development <laughs> bullshit and that leads us then into this kind of this finale rush of like fake twists mm. uh yeah. which are all kind of all designed by the demon to try and halt the exorcism so um shall we go to, I, I wrote them down uh um so one uh the story is revealed to be essentially like a sci-fi holodeck yep. fantasy we did, we, we did the holodeck reveal which is which i and i uh, i remember texting you at the time when i listened to this yes because you you, you, re- you used recognized the, uh, the music the music yeah which is the title music from uh the joe dante extravaganza uh one of my favorite films explorers Man. which is also one of jerry goldsmith's finest scores Man, uh, I'm so just... glad. And you know what? I've never met anyone else who's seen Explorers. I don't ever ever talk Mate. to anyone about Explorers before. Mate, I love it that is... film. Explorers is is a dangerously high level influence upon me. Like 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 cause my my brother my brother my brother was six years older than me and and a sort of amateur scientist and was very much like I in my eyes my was like Wolfgang in that movie with like River Phoenix's character because yeah. my brother's my brother's bedroom is this sort of lab as far as I was concerned <laughs> and I was utterly utterly convinced that if we applied ourselves we could we could emulate their success vis-a-vis creating a, a, a spaceship with an anti-inertia field around it. <laughs> Fuck me, that's such a... Fuck me, it's such a great movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I love um, how they progress the, 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 the yeah. discoveries of that film, the exploration yeah. that they do. Yeah. And what it, they, it, it, how they recycle yeah. the, the, their discoveries to make it... You know, like, yeah, I think it's fucking great. 
I yeah, I think I think you get there really plausibly with that movie. It doesn't feel by the time they get into space, you don't feel like you've you it doesn't feel like we've rushed to there. It feels like we've we've got yeah. And also, it's got some like sorry to I I mean I to, derailing here, but oh. that film that film has 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 the mandatory Joe Dante Dick Miller cameo. He's because he's in all of uh, all of Joe Dante's movies. Of course, it does. Uh, and he's and he's got this lovely sort of side this tiny little side plot where it's sort of insinuated that as a child he was sent the messages as well and which is really really nice and and and, and he just wants to know he finds the the site doesn't he, he finds he? the he ship finds he, the, like, he finds the ship the yeah and he, and he and he and there's a bit where he's on the radio saying i haven't had dreams like this since i was a kid and uh and then and he gets to the site the last time we see him in the movie he just gets to the site and the ship's just taken off and we just see him in the et shot with the ship's lights on his face just going like way to go kid and it's just like yes yes I yes love yes, Dick yes. Miller. Yeah. I love Dick Miller so much. Great craggly uh, face. Bucket of Blood. The Roger Corman's Bucket of Blood, I think, is one of my favourite films about poetry. Yeah, yeah, where he's, play, where he's playing yeah. the sculptor. So that's the, the holodeck fantasy, uh, uh, you know, like, which then gets, obviously, each one of these. I think the idea I was trying to set up is that each of these is more stupid than the last. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. But Mambo number five is, has to continue to be used to undercut it. And so we'll... Yeah, that's the spellbreaker. Yeah, yeah so it, it, as long as we believe that Mambo number five can lower the tone uh, of each of these things. That gets progressively hard as the stories get stupider and stupider. It gets harder to undercut something which is already so I, insane. I was surprised. There was one beat on this that I thought you were going to do, which you didn't. Which was because we, we go, we go, we go Star Trek. We go. Willy, is it Willy Wonka next? It's 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 Willy Wonka. The story is revealed to be some kind of final test orchestrated by Willy Wonka to see if. Uh, they're worthy of his chocolate factory. We we do really want it, and now I may be misremembering this, but I I I I felt utterly certain that the next move would be game show. Um, ah, yeah. I yeah. in my head, I felt like that was that was. I just felt utterly because, but maybe that's just me. Um, I like that move a lot. I like the move of it being being like a game show. Uh yeah. Or, or yeah. It's it, it's like like a, a kind of pranked game show, right? Where yeah, something. Uh, yeah, something yeah, like I, I, I mean, I, I, and you know, the walls slide up, and then the studio audience is there, and uh, and then I'm sorry, you haven't won the big prize. That makes but a lot will more go... sense than me going into a fucking like Willy Wonka reference. I, mean, I don't know what was in my head. Um, uh, no, 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 no. Similar deal. So I think I, the, the beat's the same. It's just I just I just like like there's a whiteboard with 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 these with the with the things that we do here, and and, and I was just like, and I was just playing bingo when I was re-listening to it. And I think I think also it's a bit like it, 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 at that point it's a bit like like the the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness at Time Bandits, isn't it? With the, where, where Jim Broadbent comes in as the game show host that we saw in at the beginning yeah. on the TV. I think Time Bandits is a big influence on this. I think I think particularly like the ending of like happy ending fake outs is happy another, fake another outs. sort of time t- 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 yeah another time bandits thing that I think that uh, that I mean and, and I think Brazil as well two eighties Python movies I think are kind of like are, are sort of like coded into this for sure third twist stories revealed to be a ruse to reunite Father David with the Neils who are actually clones of uh, the the priests uh, and then uh, the priest accidentally shoots mr neil yeah uh, uh and then when the police come to arrest him father david discovers that he's actually a delusional escaping yeah. from a mental yeah. asylum uh yeah and so by the time we've got to the bottom of that barrel <laughs> I, I i i think father david he doesn't really have a like a good idea of 
what's real and like what's twist anymore. There's a last ditch moment to try and uh, give Father David a, like a redemptive arc. Like the Neil say, you don't care about us. You don't care if we live or die. But um, Father David refuses the call and just says, no, I don't really care if you live or die. I, I'm not going to give in to, you know, like this attempt to make this story about me and my humanity. So I wanted to ask you is like, how, like, which is similar to the question I asked you last time again, and I, and I know that, and I know that the answer last time was 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 I'm breaking it up as I go along, but um, but in this instance, like, had you had you decided that that, that would be his position, that that he that, that he would be anti that kind of thing, or 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 were you genuinely wrestling with whether or not to do a sort of redemptive metaphorical reveal arc for him and it, for it to have a moralistic ending in that way or so is, so what I, I guess what i'm asking is is the is is the process of writing this you just start wrestling with deciding whether or not to to do that or not yeah i i think it you know i i like i i think i was equally torn yeah i, sure. I, I, I liked the idea first of all of him being pulled through these 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 false realities where like like increasingly like saccharine twists and revelations would would just like merrily lead the story away from like it's a it's original path into some like other place but this idea of whether or not actually father david should grow as a character was something that like yeah i did i, I was like wrestling with and i think i kept pulling one way or another uh, cause I still, I still felt like I needed to be wrapping up in some way. It needs, it needs to be sort of like pulling towards like a point, but how do you do that when you have a character that's, that's, that, that I've created that fundamentally believes that narrative progression is like, uh, like is, 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 it, it's, it, it's it, trite. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's trite is, you know, like, and is, uh, is going to lead him away from the the thing that he wants. But also, uh, the thing is, is that is that you know what you've created here is is a cool guy lawman. You know, you've created a sort of theological police procedural character. You know, somebody who can be implacable in that way. And you know, you've created yeah, you've created a kind of a, a kind of fun judge dread character in some ways. And you don't want those characters to change. You actually those those characters shouldn't change those characters should just you know put their sunglasses on and walk off into the sunset and 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 to to, to do what they do another day in a different context mm. so i i think i think in a way like what you want out of this character is that you you do want it just to be like another another day on the beat for him yeah man. Um, yeah. which is what's so nice about how the character is set up at the beginning the character like in the first episode is set up as being as being as being the guy the guy that can do the thing the guy that can get the stuff done yeah and actually characters like that you we 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 just want to we want to experience the world around them. We want them to get into fucking shit, but we actually do. We we do. We don't really want them to change. We want we want a reset afterwards. I often think yes, because they're almost entirely allegorical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This part of the story therefore becomes like the, the strangest for that, I guess, because you know he talks about drawing on this kind of holy ambivalence and this <laughs> idea that he actually associates godliness with, with dispassion. Yeah, dispassion, non-participation. Yeah, yeah. yeah my own personal views on religion like aside like i i which is a tricky thing to get into i suppose because i would say even though i don't consider myself to be 
like a religious person, I still, of course, have relationships with these characters, with the God and the devil. And I like using fiction in order to be able to sort of like explore the relationships with those characters. Yeah. But I think for me a little bit, like what influenced this take was kind of based slightly on this, that, that kind of old, there's like an old Gnostic idea about how uh, uh, God is the present moment. It is like like it is the 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 absolute dead center this moment now and your relationship to the moment and uh the devil basically exists in the past and the The future future. trying to pull you out of that present moment so in my story that's almost done by the the devil being a little bit like the the old the devil has all the best tunes it's a bit like saying like the devil has all the best stories the stories that are trying to get you out of your head and yeah. put you on a narrative line yeah. both to think about where you came from and to think about yeah, where, you're, where going. you're going well it's funny that isn't it because like because in a way that that idea kind of pre- kind of suggests that the, the dichotomy of god god and the devil is that in that in that model um god is a kind of lost animal consciousness and that the devil is intelligence. The devil is the nightmare of intelligence. <laughs> and that the, de- the devil is 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 cognizance of time. Yeah. Um, which, and, which, yeah, and it's and its application in the story is perverse because it basically means that for Father David to be the most holy, the most present, to resist mm-hmm. uh like the like the, the the temptation of narrative, he has to be amoral and has to not concern himself with, the, yeah. w- with what's happening to the Neils at all yeah. because he has to sort of remain pr- I have to stay in the moment I can't right. think about where I'm going or where right. I've been or what happens to, to other people um, so it, so sadly it, it, it ends up making godliness look like like synonymous with being like a, just like a, like a rude fuckwit right but that's mm. that's that's just so that's an ironic garnish on like what's on like the uh, if you extrapolate the, the theology of this, all right, it 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 it's, it it makes me seem like I'm being very puritanical about uh about the <laughs> about the purpose of like art and its ability to manipulate us and ensnare us in evil. My my dad and I once had this. I remember like I was how old was thirteen and I got into this big conversation with my dad about art and about the purity of art and how and 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 how. Art is true. Art is impossible because you're aware of its potential reception by an audience, and so that's one thing. And another thing is is what we're talking about here about how it it, it has to be sort of dispassionate in that way, or it has to be sort of about this ultimate moment, and it can't be about anyway. So yeah, we ended we we ended up sort of like theory like trying to create this sort of Schrodinger's thought experiment sort of lab conditions for art involved like a sort of locked box that, <laughs> that the art would have to be contained within, and you'd have to sort of yeah, and and and, 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 and how you'd have to sort of. You'd have to sort of battle meditate before you go and do the art, so that you so that you could so that you could divest yourself of of exterior motivation for the art, <laughs> and 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 then and then and then how and how anything that anything that existed inside the box would then have to be destroyed the moment you died, <laughs> like like you'd have to have a lawyer to do that for you in order to, in order to maintain this sort of. The yeah, the, the purity of the of the thing that you made. <laughs> That's amazing, man. And I guess what I like about that as well is it kind of just also goes to show that like like the the, the threads and the, the consequences of trying to actually crystallize an abstract idea like that just it, 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 it's just so impossible. Sure. Essentially, that is where the story kind of ends up, whether I I kind of realized it or not. Um. So yeah, in the final couple of minutes of the story. 
uh, the demon finally appears. And yeah, the sound design goes wild. I've got some pitched up mongoose in there. I've got... <laughs> I wonder what it was. And it was quite nice that, yeah, like you, 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 you had a, yeah, you, like what was really fun at that stage is that it became a real sort of audio survival horror game, you know, because we could hear the, like the kind of the shadow creatures coming out of the walls and just the, I really loved, I really loved the laser etched Bible bullets. I thought that was great. That was really good. That was really good because that, that's really nice. Yeah, the King James, the King James Bible, Bible yeah, right which is really good <laughs> because, like, what's that? Like, that takes like the kind of the 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 cool kind of oh yeah, I guess that's how that would work kind of thing that you get like in Blade, where we've got like the holy water and the silver bullets, and you're like oh yeah, yeah. cool. So it's like oh the mythology, but it's there yeah. with the gear, and it just and it, and it, and it and which is an absurd thing, but they just about make it work. But then you just tick the needle one step to the right. You're like, what about bullets with the Bible on it? No, no, <laughs> that's that silly. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and it's, it kind of makes me think of like like a sort of grant morrison type thing you know like a kind of thing that he might have uh, it's yeah. very it's yeah it's very grant morrison mamba number five has been used up until this point in order to sort of like uh to undercut things but after he tries to do one final undercut by essentially like putting the bible to his groin and saying uh uh check out my big square penis after that we jump to the uh the epilogue uh where uh which is now like the an alien and that's kind of it i wanted to keep that final uh piece going long enough that hopefully the listeners went from oh well he's stuck inside another fake twist ending to hopefully get to the point where they're thinking actually this is a much nicer world than the one that he's left behind it's actually quite Quite, quite beautiful in this this, this this fake reality yeah it's a very beautiful reality i mean he yeah. gets to kind of have a relationship again you know like and you know and i do wonder whether maybe uh father david regretted uh coming out of yeah. the um yeah the uh the canadian fantasy yeah. with siobhan i i no i and i really like i i mean i really really liked the ending because it was it was doubling down on the kind of the absurd it was an extra an extra science fictional madness reveal which i which 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 which, which was really fun and I you you did leave it ambiguous. You did leave you did sort of leave it ambiguous in the story. But you only kind of clarified in the coda at the end when you're talking when you were sort of talking to the audience after the episode that 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 it is still a, a recursive reality, it, that it is still part of the that it is still part of the haunting, um, rather rather than it being oh maybe this is real maybe this is what well, yeah. um and. Uh, I, I, or am I wrong? Am I? Did I miss? Did I miss a? a, a... No, I think you, 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 you might well be right there. And uh, yeah, I suppose I like it uh, being left ambiguous. Yeah. No, like it's that. good. I think I think it's better for it. The thing is, is that ordinarily in a story you do this visually, where you where 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 we where the camera would pan to a steaming bowl of broccoli, <laughs> um, and 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 that's what we do there to sort of signify that oh no, it's still going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like. I'd like to think that like if we leave him there, that's kind of okay. my starting point was like what excited me about the methodology of art criticism and about just like what it means to apply the the methodology of art criticism not so much to religion but just to unexplained phenomena yeah yeah and and and, and sort of yeah treating treating sort of yeah unexplained phenomena as if they were art happenings is really fun isn't it i mean and, and that's a game that you, and that's a game that you can play for days i mean the idea of 
the idea, like the idea of sending Brian Sewell to sort of appraise Stonehenge yeah. is quite fun, isn't yeah. it? You know, like, <laughs> like just and really give it a fucking drubbing in the <laughs> in, in the paper the next day, mainly because like the wine they served during the Stonehenge viewing was just a bit shit and wasn't very good, and yeah. it was just in a bad mood. What you yeah, what you've got there is is just a, an insanely fun game. And and it, kind of, and it kind of works universally. It's sort of like it because it's um, my, my my friend Richard used to call it the ironic high style, which is and and it, and, it, and, it, and it works brilliantly for any any given sort of sketch writing or sort of or, or comedy writing where you just you take the principles of a of a of a high minded arena and you apply it to not that arena. You apply it to low culture. You apply it to unexplained phenomena. You apply it to the 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 behavior of animals um and 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 uh, and, and or, or or the inverse you know you 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 apply low 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 culture to high culture and and just we 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 i think we like part of our creative intelligence is built around our ability to um i don't i don't know what the modern word for it but arthur kersler called it by association which is just simply just taking category A and category B and transposing them over each other and seeing where they line up and where they don't line up as if they were two sort of sheets of acetate with different drawings on them and you know, oh look those two lines line up and that's and that's and the roots the roots of creativity and the roots of art and the roots of comedy are all are all in in our in, lie lie within our capacity to take category A and category B and hypothetically hold them in our head at the same time So, because it's just very funny at the moment, because obviously I'm I like it's. What's really funny is like not so very long ago, you and I sat here and 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 were quite mocking about immersive theatre and all the rest of it, and now that's literally my living. Um, yeah. So tell me, tell me about uh, about the play you're in. So it's the doc. It's this Doctor Who show, isn't it? So it's uh, so so I'm playing William Shakespeare in an immersive Doctor Who experience. The uh, the, the 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 conceit of which is that there's been this fucking mad trans temporal fracture which means that sort of various times and realities are all smushing together conveniently uh, <laughs> and um and yeah there's this is sort of this 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 i i'm in i'm in i'm in this little room off to my side they kind of discover me uh, and i'm in there and, and and then i i i end up sort of taking them into the court into richmond palace and we do a perform we do a we do a we do a, a play for the queen's wedding and it's, it's great fun it's, it's, so, so there's, there's that. The rest of the time, I'm playing a Cyberman, which is much more ignoble because um, I'm just in loads of neoprene and rubber, and I have no lines. And, and my job is walk 16 paces, walk another 19 paces. That's the show. <laughs> <laughs> do you get to do like that with your hands? Do you get to slowly bring your your hands into a fist? See, I have, I, I, we were told not to do this initially, and I have fought for it. <laughs> I have fought for it, and now, and now, and now, the director has seen the error of his ways, and now it is standard practice across all the people saying Cyberman to do sort of pointing at yes, slowly. Yes. Darth, proper good yeah. Darth Vader acting, you know, really, like just like yeah, you join the Cyberman. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but that's the, the problem with modern Cybermen, right? Is that I know Cybermen are meant to be emotionless, but like modern Cybermen are just like they're just too stompy, bompy, robot-y. They're not. They haven't got that sort of that slight sense of yes, Doctor, you will do this, which is eight. Eighty Cybermen have. Eighty Cybermen have got. Eighty Cybermen can sell other a little bit. More. It's, I mean, and there's a tone of voice as well in it. Like, uh, I like. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I just, I, I've got a I, huge I affection like... for the, the Cybermen yeah. in general, um, just because they are 
they are sort of apex men in suit, really, aren't they? <laughs> so, and it's a very achievable monster if you look at it on the face of it. If you've got some silver spray paint and like a, a boiler suit, <laughs> and, um, is it was it a tricky? Do you think is it a tricky feat to guide people through an experience like this when the 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 intellectual property of the sort of like the the the, the show itself is so vast? Is is, is I can imagine that's quite tricky in terms of uh, wanting to have things in there that fans of the show would recognise without, like... Yeah. Well, it's fucking lousy with stuff. There's loads of Easter eggs. There's loads of shit. There's loads of stuff for them. And and, and obviously, like, you get people who sort of... Who who come in cosplay and they want to, like, bring their, their who-ness to it. And you have to sort of you have to sort of like, you know, wrestle with them of like, okay, well, I've got a job to do here, mate, but at the same time, sure, I'll yes and you as much as I can. And and, and it's really nice, because I had a guy dressed as Eccleston, the business casual doctor. I had a guy dressed as Eccleston, and he would take no dissuading that he was the doctor, and I was like, all right, fine. But thankfully, there was it was a very quiet show, and he came and sat with me, I was like, all right, you want... You want a one-to-one The Doctor Shaw's talking to Shakespeare show, do you? Well, strap the fuck in, mate, because <laughs> I have got a show for you. But, uh, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's fun. It's, a, it's 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 as as any given garbage disposal dinosaur in the Flintstones would say, it's a living. <laughs> yeah, man. Imagine, imagine, imagine. Okay. Thanks again to Angus Dunnican for joining me for these episodes. Like I said in the last episode, my Patreon page is currently frozen, although for a one-time fee of $5, you can sign up now, get the back catalogue, and then all future payments will stay frozen until the show properly returns next year. Alternatively, if you wanted to chuck me a couple of quid during this uh, this hiatus, you know, to help me out with the writing costs and so forth, you can do so by uh, making a, a one-off donation to the show. Um, for that, just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash imaginary advice. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash imaginary advice. Okay, that's the end of this little... 2023 check-in uh i miss you guys yeah i'm uh i'm looking forward to being back in full in uh 2024 with some actual brand new episodes of the show thanks for being patient and uh yeah i'll see you soon okay Bye-bye. Okay, bye. I'm going to hang up after you hang up, okay? No, you... You hang up first. Okay, bye. Bye. You hang up first. Bye. I'm still here. You well, you didn't hang up either. You didn't... Okay, we're, we're going to hang up together, okay? At, at exactly the same time, all right? So, okay, on, on the count of three... Okay. One, two, three. I love you, bye.